0: The Archetypal Tarot Podcast explores universal human patterns, called Archetypes, by investigating the major arcana of the ancient tarot. We recognize these archetypes because they are present in our own life stories, myths, and culture. Each card represents a stage of the journey for understanding the greater story of our lives.
1: Welcome to the Archetypal Tarot Podcast. I'm Julianne Jabot, and with me is my co-conspirator, Sindera Quackenbush. Today, our subject is card number 15, the devil. And so we're going to discuss what this archetypal character might mean in, for the hero's journey, as well as how the archetypes of the addict and the provocateur play a role in this stage. So how you doing, Sindera?
0: I'm doing pretty well. I'm, I'm excited about having the devil uh, join us today for yeah. this podcast. I think yeah. it's
1: totally appropriate. We've got uh, it's it's just after New Year's here, and I'm sure many people are uh, making resolutions, breaking resolutions, thinking about <laughs> um, good habits and maybe ones that aren't so good for him. So timing seems to be good. So let's why don't we, as usual, take a look at uh, take a look at our little devilish friend here as it's depicted in. Uh, The Marseille deck, as well as we're going to look at the Rider-Waite, two pretty popular tarot decks.
0: Yeah, so in the Marseille's deck, we've got got the devil standing right here in the center. It's the
1: devil wearing yoga pants. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, if you look at this card, I'll put it on the show notes. I just took a look at this. I'm like, wow, those are nice yoga pants. With well, a with a package, too. Oh, never mind. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fully displayed anatomy through the yoga pants, uh, which is very much like, I'm sure, you know, what people are trying to do as they get yeah. into it. They're like, I am going to sign up for a yoga, yoga class. Yoga
1: classes are full right now. The gym's pretty crowded. Yeah. A you know? little, little belly
0: here and uh, some, some man boobs. Uh, the, there's an androgynous element to yeah. this devil. Yeah. Absolutely to this Marseille's version. Uh he's got bat wings and uh
1: and he appears to be left-handed, right? And and I think the most significant if you look at the at the Marseille card is there's a the the devil he she because it really does seem very androgynous is holding the sword by the blade. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. There's no handle to the sword. That's yeah, really it's
1: interesting. It's basically just a big sharp piece of steel. So Whew,
0: painful. And uh, and then below this devilish figure, we have these two little impish looking characters uh, that are tied by a rope that is attached to the base. Of, uh looks like a vase of what the, the devil is standing on and these little imps have their hands tied behind their back and they have these ropes that are fairly loose around the neck. I yes. must make that uh, observation at this moment. Uh, one imp even seems to be smiling as it's yeah, tied don't. up by
1: the devil. They the know. other
0: one looks not, not quite as pleased
1: and they're they're in this in in both the rider weight and the marseille and most of the depictions of the devil card these two imps, or these two characters are pretty uh, clearly a masculine and feminine character they're they are they do look like a man and a woman I, and and just to talk a little bit about the rider weight it's the rider weight card is in this uh instance pretty similar we have this sort of, it's more clear in the rider weight that we've got this pan type character this um, a satyr who's half man, half um, animal, but it's scarier. It is scary. The, the scarier. The card background is
0: is darker. There's an upside down uh, pentagram, uh, which is often, uh, you know, recognized as a the symbol for the devil. And he's he's frowning, whereas uh, in the Marseilles, you know, the, the, it's a smiling devil. You know, he's kind of
1: crossing he's, his eyes. On he's that crossing one, his too. eyes.
0: You know, he he looks pretty. Uh, Demeaning, deceptive, and so forth, but but this guy's outright frowning in the rider weight deck, uh, an upside down torch uh, that he's holding, and uh, and then those two more humanly looking imps this time
1: around. And they, as I think, the most important um, part of these two characters that are chained up or tied up is that, um, and we'll talk about this a little later. Is that the chains or the ropes around their neck—they're not exactly tight. They're not wearing collars. They're—they're they're loose enough that you—you you could take it. You could take it off.
0: And they don't um, look in either of the cards like they're struggling to get free. They're no. just hanging out there.
1: It's it, to me, it's not a vision of hell, right? We see this devil character, but it's not necessarily that um, prototypical Christian view of hell where people are in. You know forever in pain and in flames this is this to me really strikes me as something symbolic that we need to we need to take a look at It's not as blatant I think, and I think this card's really fascinating i mean it's it's huge it's a really they're big archetypes that I look forward to kind of unpacking a little bit here well, unpack we will do so. But this is kind of weird that we
0: reach these characters, right? So last card we were at the temperance we had this very uh beautiful, peaceful angelic angel angel Look, yeah, mm-hmm. we had the angel last time around, and then here we are we have the fallen angel um seems completely opposite so what what sense can we make of this for the as a hero stage after the card of temperance is is the question we've got to figure out right now.
1: True. And uh, to keep in mind that our next card is going to be the tower. So we have this angel devil tower. So there's a really interesting story. And before before we go too far into that, I wanted to point out what we were talking about earlier, Cinderella is we had the death card a couple cards ago, right? So there's this eagerness, I think, within all of us in terms of our lives when something dies or something goes away that we want to, we, we got to be reborn. You know, we want to go from A to Z real quickly because it's going to be uncomfortable. And we're, you know, we're, rebirth isn't upon us yet. We are part, we are in this process. And if you look at these cards between death and judgment as being a part of this process. They are that mythological underworld and we're still in it. And so to put it in that context, we can see that, yeah, it kind of makes sense that, you know, the angel kind of pulls us out of this death period and we get a lot of, um, information and lesson and guidance that we pick up from the angel. And then of course, we're going to have to come to the devil and meet what I would consider, um, shadows. Yeah.
0: That's right, and, and many people would prefer to skip this stage. But the what the beauty of the tarot is that it doesn't let us skip this stage. We've we've got to look at the shadowy aspects of ourselves. We have to look at uh, what is keeping us from reaching a, a pivotal point of, you know, I I, I you know I've studied you. I don't want to say throw the wholeness world around, but uh, I think this leads us into a good conversation about. So if we we want to mediate with the angel, mm-hmm. we we might start to feel like we have to do uh, we have to mediate we have to be start to take on the responsibility of that mediation. So we may begin to strive for perfection. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my rebirth period. I'm gonna do it perfectly. I'm gonna be fresh and new, mm-hmm. and it's all gonna be great. Well, the devil allows us to look a little deeper than that into what our human nature and. Also, uh, given his bat wings and his half goat self, wearing yoga pants or not,
1: (laughs) we have to look at our animal natures that's that is what this about and i i totally agree i think it's so easy to think of the hero's journey as being a, a linear path and I'll, i say this again it's cyclical right and I, I think when we come upon the devil because you know most of us have been around a few times we've been around the circle any number of times and we've we are always working with things that we crave and we desire which is a lot to do with this card and this sort of we look at this as Another time that we're going to consciously really take a look at what what our relationship is to our body and our desires, emotional feelings, but this one is really focused on physical, physically manifested, real world, tangible stuff. What are we addicted to? What are you know in, in terms of how we make our choices? How does the devil, how does the addict archetype? How does the provocateur, provoke us to maybe make choices that aren't the best for us? And ha- how did that affect us in the past? So we're coming around like on a circle to say, oh, okay, now's a good time for me to really take a look at that. And, and it's New Year's too. So a right. lot of people are really, really looking at like, wow, where, where do I let myself down? Where do I break promises?
0: But the, that superficial sort of, I'm not going to do A, B, and C in mm-hmm. this new year, it, they they often don't last because don't. there's a deeper issue. There's a... And I, I often feel or or have noticed that a denial or misunderstanding or a, a complete blocking of the animal self mm-hmm. al- leads to the addiction yeah. because you feel like you're not being fed on a deep level. Yeah. Look at the whole results of the Victorian era. The, the, this blocking out of the sexual aspect mm-hmm. leads to the most depravity that you could possibly imagine.
1: Yeah, within within that era. So I think... It's, it's good to take a look at this card as it's a friendly card in a way. It's like, hey, let's, everybody is addicted to something or, or some idea or has some behavior. And, you know, in my practice, I, I do look at the addict archetype as being universal. Everyone has, to one degree or another, the, the addict working, working within them. And it's a good time of year to take a look at it and embrace it, to say, hey, wow, this is something I work with. And to not try to put it back in the corner or just try to, to change it, to, en- to engage in the process of, of working with it and understanding, you know, what's, what's right about what you're working with. What is, that, what is the message of that addiction trying to, trying to teach you instead of just going, nope, I won't do it anymore. I'm going to shut the door. Mm-hmm. So the devil's, you know, this uh, fallen angel archetype, this provocateur is, is provoking us to take a deeper look. And so, Sindera, I mean, I guess I had a question a little bit from a mythological standpoint. The, uh, this character here, he looks a lot like Pan, mm-hmm. who's a, a trickster god. And, and what do you think about him, Pan being this like, half-human, half-animal creature? You know, I'm, I want to know more about what you think about that relationship to the body in terms of the animal.
0: Yeah, I think it's an invitation to look at one's natural self. Pan, you have him dancing around in his half goat embodiment, half human, half animal. And and we have this opportunity here to look and see that connection within ourselves, to realize that we are animals. I mean, nobody, everyone always says animals as if they're not themselves an animal. So, and I think that that... uh, leads to all kinds of problems and so it's an invitation definitely through this mythological pan creature professor of mine uh, at Pacifica did a whole thesis on on pan and so uh, it's it's a very interesting character to take a look at uh, and and in the Romani tarot, I believe it was one of my first tarot decks. I was like, yeah, I'm into the gypsies. It was like a real early mm-hmm. manifestation of my interest in tarot. But in that, they they actually cast the devil as this pan creature who's simply just falling out of a, a pot, causing mischief. You know, there's nothing more to it than that. that mm. It's just this kind of trickstery, mischievous element that uh, allows us to play and to be ourselves. I recently saw that movie, um, Shrek 2, mm-hmm. which I, uh, you know, I try and avoid films that have two <laughs> in the title. <laughs> um, sequels suck. but yeah, <laughs> not, sequels, always. Not, not always. Not always.
1: <laughs> Shrek 2 was good.
0: And it, Shrek 2 was really good. And I, I didn't realize that. I, I think I li- even it liked happens. it better than the first mm-hmm. one. But it's all about uh, accepting your ogre nature.
1: Accepting your inner ogre. That's yeah. And so I, I,
0: I thought that that film was so beautiful and such a departure from the usual... Uh, Disney beautification fairy tale. You know, it's it's very much about accepting yourself as an animal that burps and farts and and you know <laughs> is is angry and moody sometimes. You know, those characters are angry and moody at the points, and 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 it's okay to be that way. Uh, so I think there's an opportunity here to to accept oneself as a devil at times, to accept oneself mm-hmm. as an animal, and uh, and all of those needs that we have as human beings, as animals, not as evil, but as necessary to life. Uh, But if we deny those things from ourselves, then these attachments or addictions come in certain forms that have us and we don't have them. exactly.
1: They take over. I think you make a really excellent point because traditionally this this card is about um, materialistic things, almost ignorance, and I think that ignorance comes from skipping this step of really looking at what's going on. So the kind of the example I want to use, and I think might be something that's pretty ubiquitous for people this time of year, is um, say something like weight loss, right? Because that really has a lot to do with your own relationship to your body, and the way many people take this this stage is to is to in some ways, mistreat their body. Right. So it's like, you know, bad dog, (laughs) you know, I'm Mm going to, I'm going to beat you into submission. I want to punish you liver. (laughs) I'm going to run, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the gym. I mean, they really go pretty, they, they take the same archetype of addiction Mm -hmm. and maybe that addiction was food and drink earlier. And they just pick running on the treadmill or, you know, like, Oh, I'm going to do it. And they're skipping the step where they're really relating to their body to go what is going on like maybe i'm not working with my body or feeding it in the way it needs to be or or giving it the exercise that it wants and needs it's more like you've been bad i'm gonna punish you now and that that attitude is is um is brought to light here that you don't you know it's not necessary to to look at it as a punishment to look at um the way you've treated your body in the in the past, and the way you're going to treat it now, you know, symbolically is kind of the same. It's like I, I punished myself then, but it felt good, and now I'm going to punish myself, and mm. maybe it won't feel as good. Mm-hmm. So it's this, it's this kind of idea of, of, if you know, what are you a slave? What are you a slave to right now? What, mm-hmm. what are you hooked into? Is is the supposed cure for your ills pretty much the same thing? Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I think a great lesson here is that if you suppress the pan you know he's just this kind of gentle frolicking animal with some some basic needs if you push him down into the pot you know and don't let him come out to play it's he's gonna grow into this you know monstrous character uh, a more fierce devil that uh can come out in all sorts of ways uh that is just not gonna feel good in the end yeah
1: there's that to me brings up the provocateur archetype is that provoking when you say someone's impish or they're devilish, they tend to provoke things, and I think this is a purposeful step to provoke things in you, and it being New Year's and whatever I mean that's that provokes people to do a lot to wake up New Year's Day kind of hung over and going, Whoa, I'm not going to do that anymore that kind of <laughs> you know. i mean that's that's a provocation you I know mean, there's, there's something very provocative but I think that the danger is to just let that be a one-off you've been provoked and then you kind of do something, then you let it go. This one is saying, go, go deeper this time. Take a look at, um, you know, what what about the material world have you disavowed yourself of, mm. your relationship to your physical body? I personally recommend to people to open up the option of of loving that physical part of yourself and mm-hmm. and having having a larger um, definition of who you are. You're not just an ego. You're not just a body. You're not just the spiritual presence. You, there is something totally unique about who you are in total. You know, it's kind of a gestalt, you know, the you are more than the sum of your parts. But to include the body, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking... Of the quote, and I'll put it on the website, Um, the quote from Mary Oliver, the poet, it just occurred to me is, you know, all you need to, you don't need to be perfect. I'm paraphrasing it. You don't need to be perfect. You just need, you know, to love what that soft animal body loves. Mm -hmm. And that to me, I think is a good, is a good and appropriate lesson for, you know, or a hint of what the, this card is talking about Um, and to, to pay attention to those physical instincts and yet don't don't let them, you know, rule you. And this is like a time of contemplation and going deeper this time of awake, like, what is it really, really about?
0: Yeah. And so, and how to have that conversation, how to go deeper. So all, all these parts that you feel are bad. Uh you can you can literally have an active imagination conversation with that part of the body or with that urge or that craving. You can bring it into an uh animated life. Uh, and have a conversation with it. This was uh, Carl Jung's approach of active mm-hmm. imagination. Or if you know if it's too hard to delve up an image out of your own craving, uh, you can have a conversation with the devil card. You know, bring this animated—he's full of life. This devil, uh, and have a conversation about what you think is bad, what you think you sh- the shoulds and shouldn'ts of life, the problems one might have with the the animal nature or cravings and desires what you're attached to that these can be brought up into a conversation or journaling. If that sounds more normal Mm -hmm. for
1: you, (laughs) any kind of safe space. I think when you're, when you have come to the place like this, where you are going to, you're going to, you feel the need to mention the unmentionable and to do that in a safe supportive group. I know there's a lot of 12 step groups. That's what they provide therapists, friends, you know, there are a lot of people this time of year who are like quitting smoking or dieting and, and a big part of that is that group, right? You know, the group aspect where it's a safe space for people to go, oh, I did that too, or I do that too, and and people tend to talk about their shadows essentially, you know, all the, all the things they did that were ridiculous while they were drinking heavily or, you know, smoking or whatever, whatever it is.
0: And the devil also gives us an opportunity to really connect in our relationships, whether it's a friendship or a partnership is that if you can share that deepest, blackest, down there devil that you think you can't show anybody, when you can get the courage to share that with somebody, you actually be... Open up an opportunity to bond with them deeper, to, mm-hmm. to really show more of yourself with them. Because they got that part of themselves as well, right? And then you're making it safe for them to share who they truly are with you as well.
1: So, yeah, if you thought this was a scary card, hey, you know, there's there's so, so much here. And I think just, well, I mean, because it's the devil and, and obviously there's just immense amount of history and uh from judeo-christian all of them the devils basically exist in all the wisdom traditions even tibetan uh buddhist everywhere it's ubiquitous um it's, but the idea that i think we're we're presenting here is is the reason all of those traditions have a devil character is it's like our it's a collective projection of all the crap we don't want right. to at.
0: <laughs> that's right you
1: know i mean it is yeah. powerful and it is powerful because we repress it and mm-hmm. and It gets it. The more you press it back, the more it gains power. That's right. You know, and um,
0: and if anyone rejects that devil in you, it ain't worth your time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, it's it's a matter of projection. We tend to we will dislike and um, move away from anything that we see in someone else that we see in ourselves Mm -hmm. that we're not ready to look at or we're not ready to work with. So it is a big deal, and this is you know we're still in the underworld here. We're still in this um, regrowth period where we're, we're coming upon things like our passions, our temptations, um, to a degree doubt, you know, people can be addicted to doubt.
0: You wanted to jump to rebirth, you say (laughs) (laughs) you wanted to get to the flowers and the seeds and the birds. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We're going down
1: further. Here we go. Well, I think we, that, skipping to that rebirth in Flower and Birds, it wouldn't really mean much. It just I don't think it would. It would be like this movie where,
0: yeah, they faced a little bit of adversity, but then it got better. But then,
1: the now, end. now we're in the Disney movie. This is, I think we're really more in, like, a Danish film at this point. We're going Lars von Trier for a little while. Thanks so, for sticking with us. I Thank know. You. So... So I if you don't mind I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about the the addict archetype. The addict really covers a lot a lot of things. I mean the you know the shopaholic, the glutton, workaholic, the perfectionist. I mean the the we can be addicted to anything besides the usual suspects of food and alcohol and sex. Chocolate. And- Chocolate, you know, I don't know. okay we, let's leave chocolate out of this. But
0: <laughs> but you can, if you're gonna ban chocolate, it's just gonna sneak its way back in. I'm telling
1: exactly. you right now. We recommend small amounts of chocolate over a long period of time. <laughs> um, but there's, I mean, even as as out there as spiritual practice and the way that people approach their own practices, if if. If basically you are, if your head and your heart are separated, if your head is saying one thing and your heart is saying another and your will, which is what you do next, the way you make your choices, um, if there's a blockage there, if things aren't working, that's the addict. That's that, like, I am completely compelled to go and do this. And it's chocolate. interesting. Chocolate. And when I, <laughs> <laughs> we've already talked about chocolate We're Fine. We'll get you some later. Um, but when I googled the uh, the addict archetype just recently, people came up with um, like the TV show Monk. I don't think he's. I mean, yeah, it is the addict, but it's it's like uh, um, he's compulsive about what he does. So there's no, you know, the head and the heart are are there. So I think that's it's a decent example of of what it can be, and it's and its positive aspect. And believe me, there is one for this archetype, is that it it will come up and remind us of where our power is in that moment. And it, it can recognize that an action or a substance can influence in, influence us in such a way that we start working on autopilot. Because when an addict is in full addict mode, there's basically a very narrow band. It's either I have what I want or I don't have it. It's, it, it becomes very, very narrow. And that this recognizing it as this archetype that takes hold of us can give us that first sort of glimpse, like, oh, wow, this is really, really taking over. And then from there, you can work with it, ask for help. And confronting it and being able to break an old pattern can be extremely freeing. I mean, there are so many people who've recovered from major addictions that said, you know what, I didn't realize I could do it. But when I did, I could do anything. You know, once I quit drinking or quit smoking or quit obsessing over being perfect, once you beat that, I mean, it's a, it's a big test, um, that many of, I mean, I would say everybody has a little bit of the addict archetype one way or another. And things like perfectionism are just so socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. They are. I mean, you've got social pressure against drinking and drugs and sex and all of those things. So that, you know, that's there, but perfectionism that, I mean, people tend to have rewards for being a perfectionist. I personally don't think that's right. It's it's the same thing. You're addicted to the unattainable to a degree.
0: And then it's all about the devil in the details. And the devil
1: is in the details. You want to talk about that a little bit more? No. No.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but what, what that means is that it's it's not the bigger picture that's being paid attention mm-hmm. to. That you're not submitting yourself uh, to this... To, to the real parts of yourself emerging. It's, it's a dedication to this little thing. It's just got to be right here. That's a,
1: exactly. Know. So that, And that can happen to anybody. I mean, if you're people who are obsessed with their bodies and perfection, they can't see the big picture. They can't see the the beauty of the total part of who they are. They're obsessing about their pinky toe that doesn't look right or the extra little bit of fat that's on their butt or whatever it is. That's, that's the, the devil in the details with the perfectionist is there's, there's no way they're ever going to be happy until this one thing is fixed and then they're going to find something else. So that's where that, that devil shows up is you just, you can't have any perspective of, of accepting yourself the way you are. And it's very difficult to be in relationship with a perfectionist. Um, they're Tell just, me about it. they're never happy. And, and that, you know. It's difficult to be in relationship with, um, you know, like that third partner, that obsessive, um, compulsive part that just says it has to be this way. So it's, it's definitely something, um, to look at the, look at the addict to go, you know, where, where is my true integrity and honesty and where is that being compromised when I'm working with this, you know, addictive behavior? And to understand, too, that, you know, everyone goes through it. And again, going back to processes and groups um, to understand that this is, you know, this is how we can find our common humanity.
0: Yeah. So why don't we hunker down and explore some more films? And know we didn't, we're not going to throw some obvious. There's so many obvious devil too many. movies out there. Yeah. But uh, Julian, you put together a list of some really amazing movies that can explore the devil archetype, the addict archetype. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you're you're so right. I I didn't I didn't put any of the really obvious ones there and and because I think it's um I really encourage people to if there's any of these films you're interested in rent them, get them on Netflix whatever, watch them again and that's a great way to learn about how these archetypes, you know, are in play in our lives. And oddly enough, what kind of came up for me for the both the addict and sort of this devil stage and this obsessiveness believe it or not, is Charlie and the Chocolate Factory.
0: Mm. And it doesn't
1: really matter which... Chocolate. See! She's she's obsessed. All right, right. So we'll just dive fully into this whole Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And it it doesn't matter which one you watch. The older one from the the 70s or the more modern um, one, it's the same thing. These characters, each one of these kids and their their guide or their, their parent are obsessed and kind of narcissistically obsessed with themselves and what they want. And they're, that's that's totally the heart of this devil stage and this card is like, it's all about getting what I want, whether it's the girl, uh, the little rich girl, who's like, I want it now, you know, and she's obsessed to the the TV kid who's all about television, the gum chewing girl, all of them, each of those characters, even Charlie, Um, With his grandfather have their own sort of obsession with, you know, what they want. And I think the beautiful part of the story is you kind of see the sort of mythopoetic, each one of those people kind of get what they deserve. And even though Charlie and his grandfather kind of break the rules, um, trying to get what they want, you know, they had fun with the bubbles and they floated around, there was, there was a moment where they really, really faced that and they realized that they had done wrong and they have another, you know, there's a sense of, of rewriting themselves and, and kind of coming back and this, the character of Willy Wonka, is a, he's a provocateur. He's devilish. He's poking people into things. And this whole trip, this whole factory tour of Charlie and the Ch- Chocolate Factory was to, for him to find out who could inherit his kingdom. Who could he provoke each one of these to test them, to see where their heart really, really was. And, you know, the character of Charlie and the way his family is and everything that, it just, it worked out in this very, like, poetic, beautiful way. Where, you know, all of those other obsessions got dropped and he just kind of had to show up and admit that he was wrong and that he was sorry. And, um, you know, he kind of came out on the other side in this in this beautiful way. And so I, I thought it was kind of out of left field. But the more I thought about the film, I was like, that's totally it right there. And I think sort of a friendly, friendly, fun kind of movie to watch. And to kind of take that on the other side, <laughs> the film uh, Black Swan from a couple of years ago.
0: Oh, we saw that together. Did we? Oh,
1: we did. Yeah. We did. A of theater. Yeah, true. It was true. That's another one. It's about obsession. It's, it's the perfectionist archetype. It's how we can get absolutely obsessed with something. And two, with that, um, something note, worth noting is other people will support you in your addictions. Like the mother of the, mm. the ballerina completely egged her, her daughter on and fed that obsessiveness. So people can, you know, you can bond on the light side of the addict and recognizing and supporting each other to make a change. But you can also bond in your common obsession over something. And uh, that's something, too, that you can really investigate by watching that film. And one that's, another one that's kind of out of left field is a film from, oh gosh, I think the late 90s called Election. It's a film by Alexander Payne and it's Reese Witherspoon and Matthew Broderick. And there's so much obsession and addiction and trying to, you know, really, really trying to have like self-control and figure out what you want. There's a lot of denial and repression in it. And it's funny. It's funny and it's dark too, but I, I think that film election is is definitely all about this devil stage and bringing things out and denial and and then on the in the show notes I will list I've listed so many other great films that really talk about the addict archetype in uh, in probably a little more straightforward ways like um, Anne Hathaway and Rachel Rachel getting married um, leaving Las Vegas with Nicolas Cage. The movie about Pollock I thought was great with Ed Harris. So there's a lot out there and it's, it's so common. And I think this is, it's a good time of year to take a look at it and maybe face whatever your resolutions are, um, in a different way, in a little more holistic way, rather than just shutting them out and trying to punish them and make them go away. Invite them in, you know, have a conversation with what's really, really going on and, and and work with it, including the body. Oh, hey. My little coda to this whole thing and I thought might be appropriate is um, because addictions can be addicted to anything. Um, A friend of mine the other day was talking about Oracle addiction. I was like, what, to the software? (laughs) She's like, no, so like tarot cards. And I went, oh, that's big. I think everybody who works with tarot cards or any kind of um, system of divination or whatever you want to call it, um, you can get addicted to, I've got to pull a card, i got to pull a card, or, mm-hmm. you know, you get so superstitious about um, making decisions that you really can get addicted to oracle cards or tarot cards. Um, and that's something that we can, can fall into this whole category. Take another look at what your relationship is to the tarot. And from my own and this this happened years ago when I was younger is like you know you come to realize that if you keep pulling a tarot card for something and you get you know you keep trying to get that different answer because you don't like the first one that come up <laughs> the universe is gonna send you something to throw you off course and you get the trickster immediately mm. which to me is also this pan character
0: mm. so and did you know that tarot is the devil's tool
1: this is what I've I've heard yeah,
0: yeah. so be
1: careful <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sarcasm is the devil's tool, Sidera.
0: I I guess me and the devil are just too great of fouls these days. Can
1: you tell someone has the provocateur archetype?
0: I'm married to the provocateur type. <laughs> um, uh, also since we're talking about recommendations, uh, and in the theme of this card, which was getting in touch with your animal self, uh, many of you who are listening to this podcast have probably already heard of Ted Andrews Animal Speak book which is just wonderful compilation of basic but interesting facts about all different kinds of animals, many different kinds. You can't get all of them in there, obviously. Uh, But a wonderful way to research animals, you know, uh, and how they might be related to individual growth and, and symbolism and so forth. Uh so if you have a dream about a certain animal, you can look it up in this book, or if it's just up for you and you're seeing a certain animal everywhere. Uh take a look at it, see what it might mean for you. Uh and it's also just a wonderful way to learn about and connect with the natural world and what's beyond human and what makes us human sometimes is being connected to and having awareness of different lifet- lifestyles out there.
1: Oh, I like that. Yeah. And um all of a link to that and a link and resources and photos will all be in the show notes, which you can find out at the end of this recording. So I don't know have we, have we done justice to the devil? Do you think, Cinderella?
0: Well, I would like to mention also that, uh, if you're (laughs) (laughs) left-handed, it's the devil's (laughs) hand. (laughs) Just saying, well, actually that means you're using your right brain a lot, which is very creative. Are you left-handed, Cinderella? I don't even know. No, no, I'm right. right Unfortunately. Yes. But if you are left-handed, you may be using that creative right brain a little more than the rest of us uh but of course the creative right brain means you're the devil so uh <laughs>
1: let's leave it there i knew you had a tie in there somewhere yes. so all right yes. well you know it's been a fun well, one well look the devil he's he's, he's, he's holding it with his left hand he's left-handed yeah. you know okay anyway we're <laughs> going on but um if as always if you want to contact us please send us an email at at podcast at archetypist dot com we always love hearing from you and we will be bringing you the next podcast on drumroll the tower uh coming up in about a month so look for that one coming soon and check out the archives we have we're, we're on like podcast 17 now so um, if you like what you hear um, chocolate, if, and you like chocolate, then you should go back and listen to the rest of them. But until then, I hope everyone's having a great year and take care of yourselves until next time. Ciao. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to become a part of the Archetypal Tarot team by becoming one of our patrons. Our patrons are awesome. So if you're interested, visit Tiny dot cc slash tarot for more information and the awesome rewards for joining that's tinycc slash tarot thanks for listening to the archetypal tarot podcast for more information on this show and the resources that we talked about go to the show notes at archetypist.com slash two zero one three slash zero one slash two five slash devil, or just go to archetypist.com and type in devil in the search box. Thanks so much.